You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome back to a fresh week. I am so glad that you're here. It is what, week 97 in quarantine? I don't know. It just feels that way, maybe. (laughs) Um, But I have been loving all of the tags on your Instagram stories. I feel like now that we're all home, we have more time to do that. And I love when you guys hear something from a show or you incorporate something that a guest has shared and share that and tag us at Motherhood Unstressed on your Insta stories. And then I can share that back out. And it's just like this really cool full circle moment where we're all connecting as a Motherhood Unstressed community, um, you know, all over the country, all over the world. And I think that it, it does provide this this sense of buoyancy during this very difficult and kind of weird time that we're all living in. And after listening to this episode today, I think you're definitely going to have a lot of opportunities to repost and post things because my guest today is just sharing an insane amount of valuable information about the body, about stress, about weight loss, about nutrition. Um, it was hard to summarize this episode in the show notes. Um, luckily, Um, I have all the links there for you. I have all the information there for you. Um, But really, we just get into stress and nutrition and how to optimize that so that you feel better, so that you sleep better, so that you are you know, the best that you can be, which is what this show is all about. So my guest today is Rachel Vitavi. She is a functional medicine and nutritionist coach, and we are getting into it. Um, So buckle up, take notes. Um, If you're out walking your dog, Uh, that's all right too. Everything's in the show notes for you, but uh, I think you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. I know I did. And I'm someone who is obsessed with nutrition and stress and I still learned a lot. So I think you're going to love this episode. If you do, please share it with a friend. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and enjoy my episode with Rachel Ratabi. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. Pick up your third-party tested organic CBD products at motherhoodunstressed.com. Well, hello, Rachel. Welcome to the show. I am so glad that you're here. Um, Like we were talking before, this is a topic that is so important year round, but especially now during COVID-19 and quarantine. So welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I always like to get started um, just providing the listener with a little bit of background about the guest. Take us through your journey and how you ended up in functional medicine, helping women, especially with their health. Yes. So I actually went to school for mechanical engineering a while ago. It's been almost 20 years since I graduated from college. Crazy time flies. Um, But yeah, I went to school for mechanical engineering. And during that, as I was getting ready to graduate, I was learning about the different fields I could go into. And I learned about the biomedical engineering field, which is where you can help design products and that type of thing for healthcare. I was like, that is what I want to do because I really wanted to be able to help people. Always been passionate about science. So that's what I ended up doing. I worked for over 10 years or 11 years in the uh, medical device field. So I started in engineering and then went into marketing because I realized those are the people telling us what to do. I was like, I want to do that. And then went into sales for a little bit also where I was working in interventional cardiology with interventional cardiologists and nurses and techs in the cath lab. And that's where people go in the hospital if they have a heart attack or have heart disease. And my company made products and stents and wires and things like that that actually open up the clogs in in people's arteries. Mm-hmm. So I was seeing that, you know, heart disease from the inside on, you know, the x-ray day in and day out and talking with, you know, my healthcare uh, customers about their patients and what was going on with them. And a lot of times the cardiologists would say like, yeah, they just need to exercise and, and eat right. But, you know, 
they don't do that for whatever reason. And there's lots of different reasons why that part of the healthcare system, you know, doesn't work optimally right now. Um, but that always really stuck with me. And then I went back from sales into marketing, was working on some strategic projects with our senior management team. And then Obamacare happened. This was like in 2014. And we were definitely affected by that. It kind of turned the whole medical device field on its head. So it's really interesting to be a part of seeing the decision-making process. But then during that, I realized we didn't necessarily know exactly what we were doing. There were so many changes and we were trying to figure out how to change the way that we did everything. I had a miscarriage at the time Mm -hmm. I was a mom of, my daughter was almost three, my older one, and um, had a miscarriage and just decided it was time for me to take a step back and reevaluate. So I did. And then during that time, did a lot of self-exploration, was watching a lot of documentaries like Forks Over Knives and things like that about nutrition. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Like I never thought about health from this perspective before and started hearing things about using nutrition as therapy. I was like, how do I do that? That's so cool. I want to be a part of that. Um, Had another miscarriage. It was actually Mm -hmm. at the very tail end of when I was working. And then... um, so I really felt like that was probably the right choice for me at that time to step away from the corporate world. And then, um, you know, started doing the self-exploration about nutrition. Wasn't exactly sure how to do what I wanted to do. So after the birth of my second child, so I did have um, my second daughter in 2016 and then started on this kind of wellness path. So got certified as a personal trainer and then as a nutrition coach And then I found out about the field of functional medicine and was like, that's it. That's what Mm. I wanted to do. Uh, So I look at functional medicine as helping people uncover what the root cause issues are that are holding them back from feeling really vital in their life. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm using functional medicine in my health coaching practice and I call myself a functional health coach. And uh, so yeah, functional medicine is really good to help with things like autoimmune conditions, IBS, fatigue, hormone imbalances. Uh, it can even help re- reverse some of the symptoms for things like cardiovascular disease and diabetes. A lot of look at inflammation and some of the eventual disease that that can actually create and helping to prevent that in the first place. So we focus on a lot of the basics like stress management and healthy diet, but then also we look at conventional labs from through a functional lens Mm-hmm. And um, when we look at our lab markers from in Western medicine, there's like this reference range. So if you're within range, your doctor says everything's good, right? Uh, the reference range just tells us where 95% of the population falls. So if we think about, especially in the US, you know, the, pop, the health of our population, that's not necessarily the best gauge if we're really trying to live optimally and be really vibrant and have good health. So in functional medicine, we look at the optimal range for those lab markers and where that is, depending on the marker, might be good to be high or be low or right in the middle. And then we track those over time so we can actually help in preventing disease and do some kinds of interventions with kind of this, you know, nutritional therapy type stuff uh, to keep people on a wellness path versus a, you know, not a sickness path, I guess. Right. Why do you think that it takes you know, people in functional medicine to, to want to help people, to keep people in the optimal range versus just the status quo. I mean, don't you think, you know, the conventional medicine should be along those lines as well? I mean, I don't understand the, the disparate treatment. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, part of it is, and, you know, there definitely is a place for, for Western medicine. Like my example, where I worked in the cath lab, functional medicine is not going to help people if they're right. having a heart attack, right? Um, hopefully it can help people prevent themselves from getting there. But, you know, for whatever reason, that happens. And so, you know, Western medicine for acute care is really helpful in those situations. Um, but a lot of physicians in their training don't have very in-depth nutrition training. Um, and so that's one thing. And then also, you know, this whole thing of looking at it from a functional perspective in terms of lab markers is really different. Like Western medicine tends to be really siloed. And mm-hmm. I had experience with this myself with my younger child. She actually... Um, has a lot from, from an infant. She was a colicky baby. She developed a lot of food allergies and really severe eczema. And so I was working with an allergist and a GI doctor and her pediatrician and the dermatologist to try to figure this out. And I'm so grateful that I learned about the field of functional medicine because, you know, where those treatments can be a little bit siloed, right? And in my case with my daughter too, like some of the doctors are starting to point fingers at each other. Like the allergist would say, well, you need to go to the dermatologist now because I can't do anything mm. else for you. And then the dermatologist would say, well, you need to get allergy testing again because there's something else going on that's, you know, this is not, she's not responding to this treatment. But with um, functional medicine, we actually look at how all of the different systems of the body work together. And so that's a very different approach to healthcare versus the way we're set up right now in Western medicine. So I think that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, it's just different. And, you know, again, a lot of Western doctors are not trained to look at these optimal ranges for different lab markers. Um, they're trained to look at the labs. And then when it goes with outside of the range up, oh, we're going to diagnose you with this condition. Right. Um, we're trying to prevent those diagnoses from actually happening in the first place. So it's really kind of true preventive wellness. Yeah. And and the thing that's frustrating to me, it seems like so many people aren't aware that options like you even exist. You know, it's like you go to the doctor, you get your standard test maybe once a year and then, oh, everything's fine. You don't ever think like, well, maybe I could take a holistic approach to my health or maybe I could take uh, a more more of an ownership role over my health and work with someone who sees the entire picture. What's been your biggest, um, I guess, barrier to getting your message out to getting more people, um, in alignment with, with really taking control of their own health? Well, yeah, I think it's just a lack of awareness. Like you said, that this is even an option. Like I think what I've seen from my peers that I'm training with in functional medicine, as well as in my own practice the people that I'm able to help the most are the people who have the most dysfunction in their body. Um, but you know, this can be really helpful for, for anyone. And so um, just educating more, I think people just need to understand you know, things like stress and how stress really does have an impact on your physical body in a lot of different ways um, and different things we can do with our nutrition. That's going to really help us own our health for the long term. So I think, what I'm thinking about doing for myself is to start, you know, sharing more of my clients' experiences and the things that we look at in terms of, okay, this is what they were feeling. This is what we saw in terms of the labs. This is what we did about it. And now this is how, this is the change in how this person is feeling today. Yeah. So I think more of those stories are important in ways that are going to hit home for people. Um, and honestly, in my practice, my focus in my practice is helping women uncover what holds them back from losing weight. 
Well, a lot of the same things that can help with all of the other things like autoimmune conditions and all of that has to be addressed for some of these women in order to be able to lose the weight. Um, but really like kind of weight loss and you know, feeling good in our own skin is something that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, trying to find those messages um, that people can really, that are going to, they're really going to identify with, I think is important. And that's one thing about functional medicine that can get really fuzzy is that you know, there's so many different things that it can help with. So how do we figure out how to like communicate that in a way that's going to really resonate with an audience that we want to connect with? Yeah. I mean, I think weight loss is such a great hook because everybody wants to lose weight. Um, at least in America, it seems like, (laughs) um, everyone wants to feel good in their own skin. So yeah, to get them through the door, I think that that's really smart. And then to say, okay, well, let's talk about your stress. Let's talk about your sleep and, and to take the interview in that direction, let's talk about it. You know, why, why are so many people, do you think, uh, stressed out, um, or at, are at the breaking point, which to me is just so, new, you know, it's of this generation, it's of the younger generation that most people are at almost burnout levels. Um, So why do you think that is? And then what can we do about it? Yeah, great question. And honestly, stress management is one of the like foundational things that I always work with, with my clients first, because I do feel like it's really important. And honestly, I've struggled with this myself. Uh, When I was early on in my functional medicine training, I was learning about the effects of stress on the body and I actually had hypertension. Mm. So um, I know for sure that it was stress because at the time I was working as a personal trainer and as a nutrition coach. So that was all pretty well dialed in. Um, So yeah, I mean, basically what happens is in terms of the kind of physiological things that are going on with stress, it goes back to when we were cavemen right? And so our body was designed to help us survive. If we, like, let's say we came into contact with the saber-toothed tiger and we needed to get the heck out of there really fast and run away. There were all these things when we saw that, or we heard the saber-toothed tiger, all of these different reactions that would happen along the HPATG. So it's like the hypothalamus, um, pituitary gland, thyroid, adrenals, and our gonads. That's like our HPATG axis, along which all of these different things in our body happen that would give us that quick energy to run. So when we saw that saber-toothed tiger, we would get an increase in our blood sugar, an increase in our blood pressure, and an increase in our metabolism to have that quick energy to run. But in order for our body to do that, we had to downregulate our digestion, our immune system, and our reproductive system. So, and that's, our body is designed to do that in those quick, like kind of instantaneous fight or flight emergency situations. But now today in the modern world, we still have those same things going on within our body, but we have, you know, a lot of families where both parents are working full time. We're running the kids around potentially to all of these different places, um, financial stress, and especially right now with this pandemic, holy moly, like there's so much about our life that has changed and we don't have a lot of control over that. So I think that's causing a lot of stress and anxiety for people right now. And, you know, worrying about finances, big impact on the economy. A lot of people are worried about health are worried about their family or their extended family or their community. Um, so all of those different things, those create chronic stress. So chronic is like long-term stress. And so all of those shifts that we talked about in terms of the increase in our blood sugar and the increase in our blood pressure and the decrease in our immune system and our reproductive system and our digestive system, now that's happening in like a long-term 
And so that is going to cause some real dysfunction within our body. So that's part of the reason why I think that there is this big, you know, increase in the number of autoimmune conditions that are going on because stress can definitely be a trigger for that. Also, um, you know, diabetes and all of that, obviously, you know, diet's a big part of that too, but stress alone can actually increase our blood sugar. Um, See, I didn't know that. I think that that is so fascinating. I always thought it was food or, you know, sometimes people are born with diabetes. I never knew that stress could contribute to that. And what, and that is just because of that response in that system. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And so now if you're in a chronic stress state, you are elevating your blood sugar in a chronic level too. And so, yeah, that alone can lead to the development of, um, you know, diabetes. And then once you have what happens, even when you have, so before you even develop pre-diabetes, um, you're likely going to have insulin resistance, which actually that's one of the things that can hold women back from being able to lose weight, um, where your insulin levels are, are um, elevated because your blood sugar is high. And so your insulin is, is one of the hormones that helps regulate that. But also if our blood sugar level stays chronically high, um, insulin will actually turn off our body's ability to use our fat stores for energy because we have to like, you know, that sugar in our blood is actually not good for our system function. And so that insulin is going to keep trying to push the blood sugar into our um, cells, right? Cause that's wow. where the, the blood sugar goes for energy. Um, so that is a big, and I've seen that actually a lot in my clients. Um, we, there's a lab marker we can look at for insulin resistance called fasting insulin, which is not part of the standard um, complete metabolic panel, which is part of our annual you know, screening that we do with our primary doctors. Um, so that would identify, I think, a lot of this kind of, um, you know, metabolic dysfunction early on. Oh my God. Yeah. You're, you're blowing my mind because I think, you know, <laughs> you're saying someone who went into a regular doctor, got a panel, would it be that they would even show like insulin resistance on that panel? Or would you have to do a special fasting panel, something totally separate to, to determine that? So it's just one marker that could get added on to the complete metabolic panel. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, even the A1C is not part of the you know standard. Most doctors do include that as part of their, because um, the A1C marker, that's a marker for blood sugar that looks back 90 days. So it's kind of more of an average. Your fasting glucose is just looking at one moment in time. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. But something else that's really good to look at if you're interested in this and finding out for yourself is fasting insulin. So that is one marker that could get added onto the standard metabolic panel that would tell you whether you have insulin resistance or not. So when I've looked at that with a lot of my clients and found that they're, you know, again, looking at the optimal range versus that yeah. reference range, people are definitely outside of the optimal range um, a lot of the time with the, the fasting insulin. And there are some things we can do with diet and supplements to be able to help bring that back down. Well, tell us, I mean, you're on a roll now. I'm so fascinated <laughs> with everything that you're saying, because I know so many women are working out, they're eating healthy, they're restricting their diets, they're starving at night, and they're not losing any weight. And I never realized that maybe stress could be part of that. You're literally pumping this stuff through your body and your body's not burning its own fat. So talk to us about how to turn the corner, what to eat, um, how to deregulate so that you're, you can bring your body back to homeostasis. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of women are like, oh, and they think less calories and, and work out more, right? You're trying to yeah. decrease your energy in and increase your energy out to try to get in that caloric deficit. Um, but the thing is, if your hormones are working against you, it really is not going to make that much of a difference. You definitely need to kind of get the hormones back into balance. 
So fundamentally, kind of as a foundation, definitely working on the stress um, because that's going to help bring everything back into balance. Um, Stress has an impact on a lot of different things. It's not just our, our, you know, glucose, but also our our thyroid, which is the master of our, you know, metabolism. Um, So yeah, working on the stress management is really important. Um, And then in terms of diet and that type of thing to help with the insulin resistance. So, you know, it's good to get get that tested, right? And see. Um, But if we think we do have insulin resistance, usually it can take up to six months to be able to repair from that. Because what happens with the insulin resistance is that your, your inflammation levels start to go up. And so that is going to cause a lot of different ripple effects within the body. That's going to affect your, your liver and other things as well. Um, And actually that's another thing where you can look at the dysfunction early on is that your liver markers might be elevated, meaning that your liver is a little bit backed up or, you know, what's called fatty liver. So a lot of times those things, um, you'll see like kind of a cluster of things that are happening at the same time. That's like kind of signs of that dysfunction within the body. Um, so what we can do for that, um, number one is to, we need to reduce refined sugar and refined carbs that are in our diet and focus on things that are, you know, we do need carbohydrates. They're important for our energy, right? We don't want to completely cut out any food group from our diet, in my opinion. Um, but focusing on carbohydrates that are going to be higher in fiber. So that helps bring down the effect that it has on your blood sugar levels. So especially things like, you know, starchy vegetables. And I love to talk about cruciferous vegetables specifically um, because then those are vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. Those fuel a cellular process called methylation. And methylation helps with positive gene expression and detoxification. So, and those also have a lot of fiber. So those will help. Um, that's the other thing about functional medicine. That's awesome. Is like with these interventions, you help one thing and you're able to help a lot of things at the same time. Right. Instead of with like, you know, some prescription medications, you see all those crazy side effects, right? So we're actually, you know, helping a lot of things kind of in um, symphony with each other, which is really cool. So the, um, you know, those high fiber uh, vegetables and fruit, like whole fruit versus um, juice, Mm-hmm. Um, because juice is not going to have the fiber in there. So it is definitely going to have more of a glycemic effect or increase your blood sugar levels. Um, lean protein, also important and healthy fats. So I think another thing that people don't realize is that there is a difference in the different, um, you know, fats and oils that we cook with. So, um, the ones that are less inflammatory or anti-inflammatory are things like olive oil, coconut oil, and avocado oil. So really focusing on those in the diet. And trying to limit things like canola oil and vegetable oil, which are in a lot of processed foods that we get at the store and that type of thing. So just be aware if you think inflammation might be a problem for you, um, better to probably look at the ingredients. There are some packaged foods that do have you know, those more high quality oils in there, um, especially places like Whole Foods and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, focusing on the good oils. Those also help with cellular metabolism too, so that we can get you know, energy into our cells to be able to really fuel our metabolism as optimally as possible. And then there's some key foods that can help with improving insulin sensitivity. So flax is one of them. Um, I have some recipes that I've created for like, you know, protein pancakes that don't have any grains, but they use flax. And you can't even really taste flax. Like I felt like I just put it in my smoothie and it's like, it's tasteless. Yeah, absolutely. You can put it in soup too is another way to get it in like flax meal. Um, 
Also, cinnamon is another one that helps with improving insulin sensitivity. Really? Yeah, like a teaspoon a day. So yeah, put it in your oatmeal if you're having that. You definitely want to boost up your oatmeal if you're having that too, because that does have a pretty big like glycemic um, effect. In fact, if you think you have insulin resistance, I probably would focus on more of like high protein breakfast versus you know something like oatmeal. Um, but yeah, so you know, getting insulin or sorry, uh, cinnamon in too is a great way to um, improve your insulin sensitivity. So I do that with those protein pancakes too. I p- put those into my protein pancakes. I love it. What are your thoughts on juicing? Because I know a lot of people who want to be healthy, um, they're not getting the fiber, you know, from all that pulp that you're juicing out. Do you recommend juicing to your clients? Um, I don't, honestly, I think it's best to try to get our nutrition from whole foods as much as possible. I'm sure, you know, there definitely are some nutritional benefits of getting the juice because you're still getting some good nutrients in and that type of thing. Um, But specifically for this thing that we're talking about with the insulin resistance, we want to try to make sure that if we're having carbohydrates, that we're getting some good fiber in there at the same time, that's going to help um, kind of buffer that glycemic effect. So juicing is probably not the best for insulin resistance. Right. So you definitely mentioned flax, cinnamon. What else is really good for people who are trying to lower their insulin levels or just, you know, reduce the inflammation in their body? Because so many people, especially in America, on the standard American diet are inflamed. Like you can look at them and with a trained eye, I'm sure, and be like, that's an inflamed person. Like, what is their diet like? What is their stress like? What is their sleep like? So what else can, what else can we uh, share with the audience about that? Yeah. So yeah, to reduce inflammation, like kind of, again, like the thing that we talked about with the healthy fats is really important too, like getting some omega-3 fats in the diet at a high level. Um, I think they said like, you know, from my education back in like early man days, like back to those caveman days, um, the ratio between omega-3 and omega-6 fats was probably close to one to one, right? Like a ratio of one to one. Um, but now it's probably something like 10 or 20 to one, like omega-6, which is pro-inflammatory to omega-3. So we have too many omega-6 fats in our diet right now. Um, so fish oil is another way to kind of help with reducing, um, inflammation. Um, if anyone's vegan, there's also, um, algae oil that also is high in omega-3s, which is kind of like a substitute for fish oil. If you're, um, not, you know, doing animals of any type, um, but that's definitely can help with, um, you know, reducing inflammation. And um, there's also targeted supplements that can help with it too. And, um, a lot of the time with insulin resistance, if we do see those increase in the, um, liver markers, you know, doing a liver cleanse can also be helpful, uh, to help, you know, flush out the liver. So it's able to process, um, the livers you know, definitely helps with detoxification, but there's a lot of things that are actually created within the liver that help with our immune system and our metabolism as well. So having a healthy functioning liver is really important for a lot of different reasons. I think so many people don't realize that. I that This is something I learned attending IAN. And I was like, what? The liver does what? Like it actually produces stuff. So talk to us about the liver and how to optimize liver function. Because I think that that's such an under-discussed organ. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of the basic things for detoxification that we want to do. So again, like going back to basics, like doing um, the cruciferous vegetables on a regular basis, um, making sure that we have our detoxification channels open, like especially pooping is really important um, so that we can kind of get our toxins out that way. Um, So making sure we're hydrated and getting fiber in the diet is going to help us with, you know, detoxification that way. Um, 
and you know, there's definitely some things in terms of supplements and making sure our nutrients are, um, you know, at optimal levels. So that way we can help our, our liver that way as well. Like, you know, B vitamins are really important to help with detoxification. Um, so, you know, making sure we're getting those in, you know, in the diet, as well as if we need to supplementation, um, from a functional perspective, there's a lot of different tests that we can run like advanced functional testing to look at our nutrient status, um, for example. So, um, you know, really check and make sure that all of the nutrients are, are optimal, um, called a micronutrient test. So that can be run. Yeah. So in my practice, I work usually in conjunction with a functional medicine doctor who runs a lot of, you know, the tests for me. And she also has a, um, it's called a doctor led liver detox. And so it's kind of a medical grade liver detox, like a seven day program that she, you know, it's like a supplement that people can take with different amino acids and things like that, that are really optimized to help with detoxifying the liver. And that's going to help, you know, bring down inflammation as well. Now, does that include like, is it just like a string of juices that you take? Are you fasting the entire time? What is the smartest way to detoxify your liver? Because I've heard things like you need to take charcoal with that. Otherwise, your liver is just going to be overrun with heavy metals leaching from the intestines. So what's the best way to do that in a safe way um, so that we're not all like essentially poisoning ourselves with our fast? Well, honestly, I think, you know, if it's someone's doing it on their own, I think the best way to do it is just to use whole foods and do it that way. Um, if you want to go and do like a, a serious detox, I would definitely do it under the, you know, being followed by like a medical professional that can make sure that you're staying safe as you're doing it. Um, so if you're doing it on your own, you know, I guess the things to focus on would be, you know, hydration, making sure you're staying really hydrated. So we want to have at minimum half of our weight in pounds in ounces. So like, let's say I weigh a hundred pounds, which I weigh more than that, but <laughs> if I weigh hundred pounds, just say for the math, <laughs> <laughs> just to make the numbers easy, right. um, you would want to drink 50 ounces of water a day minimum. Right. Okay. And that's like clean water, like no, not sparkling water or anything like that. Um, just, you know, filtered plain water. A minimum. And then if you're working out or, you know, if it's warm outside and you're going to be like sweating more then you need to drink more water. Right. Um, so focusing on that, um, also making sure that we're, you know, pooping every day is really important. So making sure you're getting some good fiber in your diet. Um, something else that can help if people are constipated and not able to poop is magnesium. It's like a supplement that can help it has a lot of other effects too. Like it helps reduce, um, blood pressure, can reduce anxiety a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, so magnesium citrate is actually the best um, form to help with con- constipation specifically. Um, but obviously if you're going to do any supplements or anything like that, it's really important to work with a healthcare provider um, just to make sure there's, there's no interactions with anything else that you're taking or that, you know, some supplements are contraindicated for certain medical conditions. So yeah, I think that's said. really important to mention too. Um, and, and honestly, like if I was going to go through this, I would want to see the numbers before I'd want to see the markers and then you go through and then you see the improvement. Cause otherwise it's like, well, I don't know if what I did just worked, but you know, I feel better. Um, yeah. I think it's always, it's always beneficial to actually see the data in front of you. Yeah. Um, and it definitely helps too. Like, you know, to make sure, um, yeah, I mean, I can tell a story of, if you're okay with it, I can tell a story. Please do. So she started working with me because she was diagnosed with prediabetes and she wanted to like reverse that to get off of that, you know, diabetes illness path. And so um, we actually ended up 
hooking her up with the doctor that I'm working with because she moved like during this process. So, you know, she started eating a lot better and exercising more. And then she moved across the country and she didn't have her doctor anymore, but she wanted to get her, you know, blood checked again, check her A1C. So um, she worked with this functional medicine doctor that I work with, you know, got her A1C checked as as well as a number of other things. She ended up doing the micronutrient test that I mentioned earlier. And um, at the time, this company was also offering this cardio metabolic panel because, you know, a lot of times with diabetes comes this inflammation, which can lead to cardiovascular disease. There's a strong tie between diabetes and heart disease. So she did all that. We found out that she was very inflamed, like her, one of her inflammatory markers, CRP, which is correlated with cardiovascular risk was clinically high. So this is like out of the reference range high. Um, And she also had like some gene SNPs, like genetic SNPs that put her, that she didn't methylate as well, that process we were talking about earlier. So I was like, oh my gosh. And this is someone I've known for a while. I'm like, I'm so glad that you did this testing because otherwise we wouldn't have known. And so she was also really deplete on her B vitamins, which again, there's a correlation between, you know, trying to detoxify the liver and then the B vitamin status too. Like the bees can help with detoxification. Um, and you can use your nutrients up in these different pathways too. And even with different medications that you're taking, those can be a nutrient drain because oh. with medications, you know, in order for those chemical reactions to happen, those can drain nutrients as well. Um, so anyway, like she started taking a B complex and um, some omega threes, like really boosting those up. She also started getting some um, IV nutrition and she's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize how bad I felt. Like I was so fatigued. And I feel so much better now, you know, and had we not done that testing, we wouldn't have known that stuff. So it kind of illustrates exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. I love that we're talking about this because I think, again, it's like bringing in the awareness of what's even possible. You know, I didn't, I didn't even know you could get these tests done. I didn't even know that it was possible to feel this good in my body. I mean, that is really empowering for a lot of people, but going back to B vitamins, do you recommend, is it B sixes? Is it B 12? What specifically um, are people most def- like deficient in? Well, it, you know, it really depends, and each person is different. Uh, whenever we supplement, usually kind of like blanket, um, we recommend a B complex. So yeah. there's a bunch of different B vitamins that are important for different things within our body. Um, obviously, I think a lot of people know about B12, right? Really important for energy. Um, B6 also is really important to help with um, reducing anxiety, actually. Um, and then B9 is folate, also really important for lots of different things within the body. And they like to work kind of in symphony with each other. So it's good to get kind of a good um, B complex. And then, you know, the different there's different forms of these vitamin supplements. So the ones that are um, easiest for our body to like use in terms of that methylation is like methylated B. So it'll say like methylcobalamin is the, the form of the, the B vitamin um, supplement. So that would, is what you're kind of looking for um, on the, the form of the B vitamins. But again, like you always want to check before you you know start taking supplements with the healthcare provider, kind of see what your status is and what else, you know, you have going on because, you know, taking these bees will help ramp up that detoxification process. So if you do have heavy metals or something like that, or, um, yeah, you just want to make sure that you're kind of being followed to make sure that you, you know, don't overdo it or anything like that. 
Yeah. And I think too, just to have a clear picture of what's going on, because you could be wasting your money on stuff that you're getting through food. You don't need the extra uh, supplementation. So, I mean, what is, what's your thoughts on, you know, inflammation in regards to cancer and is there something that people can do, even if they have, you know, no family history, but, you know, they think, you know, they might be at risk. What can they start doing today to avoid that in their older age? Yeah. So yeah, there definitely is a correlation and it's, you know, studied very well in the medical literature between inflammation and developing disease. Basically what's happening there is, um, you know, as we age or, you know, with anything, even with our natural metabolism right now, there are these little um, particles that develop called free radicals, right? It's a word that people, you know, probably know. Um, free radicals are not a good thing. So they are these little things that will go around and grab electrons from different cells and they like to grow. And so if we don't have antioxidants in our system in order to, they kind of quench those free radicals and get us back to like a balanced state. So if we have too many free radicals and not enough antioxidants, that's how we end up in an inflamed state. Basically, our body is out, out of balance. So what we need to do is try to ramp up those antioxidants. So there's lots of different ways we can do that. Um, the easiest way is through our diet. So um, you know they talk about eating the rainbow. That's why, because all of those deep colored foods, um, especially the darker ones like purples and that type of thing are really high in antioxidants that will help quench those free radicals. Um, so eating the rainbow is a great way to get some antioxidants in and help to you know, promote health instead of disease within our body. And then what we talked about with those healthy fats too, those like anti-inflammatory omega-3 fats um, can really help with reducing inflammation also. And what are your favorite sources for those really good fats? Um, yeah. So, you know, fish oil is a great one. Again, that's omega-3, the flax, mm -hmm. right? So that that's anti-inflammatory and helps with all that insulin sensitivity and all that great stuff. Um, again, for like a, so flax would be a um, vegan option also, but you know, algae is another great one. Um, and then uh, olive oil, coconut oil, and um, avocado all have some different things like, um, alpha-lipoic acid and linoleic acid that are also anti-inflammatory. So those are great to get in on a regular basis too. Uh, yeah. So I think those are the main ones in terms of the fats that can help with um, reducing inflammation. Awesome. And then, you know, berries have a lot of antioxidants in them. Um, you know, sweet potatoes, especially like the purple ones, that's a great way to get some antioxidants in dark leafy greens. So like kind of the deeper the colors, you're at the store and kind of looking at like a pill green lettuce versus a dark green lettuce, like try to go for the darker colors because those Absolutely. are going to have more antioxidants in them. I love it. And I feel like everything that you're mentioning is, it, are things that women especially are afraid to eat. You know, everyone wants to eat low carb people, even fruit, like they don't want to eat the fruit because it has too much sugar. They don't want to eat the fat because I might get fat. And it's just like, you're completely reframing that for the listener, which I really, really love. Um, so, I mean, your ideal diet in a day, what would that include for the person listening to, to just have something to hold on to? Like, okay, if I can do this, then I'm in good shape. Yeah. Well, especially we're all women here pretty much, right? So right. Um, a good, like in terms of a meal and creating a well-balanced meal, we can actually use our hand as a guide. So a palm's worth of protein, so that's in terms of the surface area of your hand and the thickness of your hand. Um, a fist worth of vegetables and like trying to get those cruciferous ones in as much as possible, a cupped handful of a healthy carb. So that's either a whole grain, 
or fruit or that type of thing. And I think that's one place where people are like, that's it. That's all I get. Yeah. Um, you know, the American diet definitely is a little bit generally carb heavy. Right. And so, you know, carbs are important, but carbs are important in the right quantity and the right quality. So, you know, that cupped handful and then a thumb's worth of a healthy fat. So that could be the oil that you're cooking with or avocado, nut butter, that type of thing. Um, so, you know, our hands always with us and we can use this when we're making a meal at home or if we're on the go at the restaurant or at a salad bar or whatever. Um, so again, like a palm's worth of protein, a fist's worth of vegetables, a cupped handful of a healthy carb and a thumb's worth of a healthy fat. So that's the way we can easily put a healthy metabolism friendly and, you know, antioxidant friendly meal at any time. I love that. I love that soundbite. That's so perfect. Um, <laughs> and obviously you're a mother. Do you have any advice for getting your children kind of trained up to eat in a healthy way um, and really be more open? Cause you know, we can't control our children. You know, we all know they like things or they don't like things, but what's your best advice for exposing them at least to healthy eating? Yeah. Well, I think getting them involved in the process always helps. At least I found that to be helpful. So letting them help with prepping dinner um, one thing we actually did since the start of this pandemic thing is we just planted a, a vegetable garden in the backyard. So they're going to help. They help water it. They'll help pick it when the sun is ready. They were already picking stuff, even though it's not ready yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, finding different ways to get them engaged and like talk about the colors. Like, okay, you know, like now I have a daughter who my, my oldest daughter is now eight and my youngest is three. So with my older daughter, I'm now teaching her how to read food labels too. So it's not just me nagging her, but it's like, this is why, like, look at this. Okay. And if she wants something at the store, like she knows this, she has to tell me like how much sugar is in there and how much fiber is in there and and how much protein, like getting them to understand the basics of nutrition. Um, So they're engaged in the process as much as possible uh, is helpful and getting them engaged in the meal planning too. So, okay, you want pizza? Okay, so what kind of vegetables do you want to put on your pizza to make it a little bit more healthy? Like what would be, what do you think sounds good? Like that. And they're like, none. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. No, I think that that's so brilliant. And, and to give them that education and to model um, really selective um, dinner prep and everything like that, I think it's so smart and it's just such a gift for, for your kids and for anyone listening who wants to get involved. And I feel like Europeans have been doing that, you know, like all of my European friends, like, yeah, we cook dinner together every night, you know, it's not a big deal. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. Well, I need to step up my game here. Um, because I get it. Like so many, you know, so many parents are busy and they work long hours or, you know, especially now everyone's at home and you're trying to crunch in the work, but to slow down and to make dinner with your family, I think it's just, it's really special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we are at the point in the interview where I have some rapid fire questions for you. If you're okay. Ready. Yep. True health is. Mm, first word that comes to mind is balanced. I think you know we don't want to drive ourselves crazy because we don't need one more thing to stress us out. Um, but just you know, balance. I think yeah. I like that. I'm grateful for. Oh, well, right now I'm grateful to have outdoor space. <laughs> I think, you know, in this pandemic, um, there's so much that is restricted right now and having, you know, my backyard has been great when I need to kind of regroup on my mental state. So I'm grateful for that. I love that. Um, and lastly, what is something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? 
Yeah. So I think honestly, it's the thing about stress and the impacts that that has on our body. Like I, as I mentioned, I suffered from this myself. And ever since that happened, you know, a couple years ago, I've made my mental health a big focus for me. And I know that it makes me a better mom as well when I do take the time to take care of myself. Um, so just, you know, educating people more about the, the impacts of stress on our body and what we can do that's realistic in today's, you know, time, um, just to, you know, help control that a little bit more and get a little bit more calm in our life. Gosh, what's your, what's your biggest takeaway? This is so off track, but what is your biggest takeaway? What is your biggest piece of advice for lessening stress for the modern woman? Oh, here's an easy one. Just breathe a little bit more. That can actually get us from that fight or flight sympathetic mode to the parasympathetic rest and digest. Um, And there's actually a quick exercise I can share real quick that you can do anytime, anywhere. That's why I love teaching it. It's called box breathing. So we and you make like a box with your breath. So you breathe in for five, hold at the top for five, breathe out for five, hold at the bottom for five. Like already, I feel a little bit more calm. But yeah, you can too. go around that box as many times as you need. Teach it to your kids too when they need to calm down a little bit. Um, I think that is you know just a great tool we can take with us anywhere to help you know, create a little bit more calm in our life. Absolutely. That's life-changing alone, especially if you can teach your kids. Gosh, like you do the the cooking with them, you do the box breathing, you're already setting them up for success. Like your job as a parent, I mean, already you're, you're hitting 100. Um, um, well, tell my kids that, will you please, Liz? No, I mean, <laughs> they won't believe it. <laughs> They'll see it when they're in their 30s. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so talk to our audience about where they can find you, what you have going on now, what offerings you have. Yeah. Thank you. So right now I've actually created kind of a whole suite of tools to help with the pandemic. So that's on my website. I'll send the link over for that. Um, I have like a workout series. There's an immunity boosting meal plan. So it includes a lot of stuff that we talked about in the diet, but it's a seven night meal plan and some options to use the leftovers for lunch and stuff like that too. Um, I also have an, an online immunity assessment tool where I will give you individualized feedback on that if you want to fill that out. Uh, so there's a link for that. Um, I also have, for anyone that thinks they might have insulin resistance or is just having a hard time losing weight, I have a Master Your Metabolism ebook. So I'll send over the link for that as well. Um, and then if you just want to kind of hang out and learn a little bit more, I have a Facebook group that's called the Functional Wellness and Weight Loss Community. And I go live in there once a week sharing some you know, story about you know, health or something that could be holding us back. So I'll send the link over for that too. If you guys want to come hang out, love to have you. I love it. And guys, all of that, of course, will be in the show notes for you. If you are out walking your dog right now, and you don't have a pen. Um, that was beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel. I feel like you are such a wealth of knowledge. Uh, I feel like I could just talk to you forever about this stuff because it's so important. And I hear your little one in the yeah, background. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I want to watch on the TV. Okay. In a little bit. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me, Liz. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> have a great day. You too. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it out with a friend or on social media. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You just have to hit those five stars. You don't even have to write anything. And uh, as always, make sure that you're subscribed so that you never miss a guided meditation every Wednesday or every Monday, an interview with an amazing guest doing amazing work in the world.